0: For Beyond Profit, a podcast of the ANA Center for Brand Purpose, I'm Ken Beaulieu. If ever a brand name fit to a tee, it's DoSomething.org. The admired not-for-profit has been doing something for years, using its digital platform and growing volunteer force to spur social change and civic action on causes young people care about. That's especially true today as the world grapples with the COVID-19 pandemic. Do Something relies on more than 5 million members. Representing every state in the US and 131 countries. It also partners with more than 25% of the Fortune 100 to help bring its meaningful and often courageous work to life. I am thrilled to welcome Aria Finger, CEO of Do Something, who once said she hoped to change the world a little bit, and has she ever? She joins me to discuss Do Something's remarkable response to the COVID 19 crisis in her own remarkable journey at the nonprofit. Aria, welcome to Beyond Profit.
1: Ken, thanks so much for having me. appreciate it.
0: This is great. So I have to ask, how on earth are you holding up these
1: days? (laughs) How am I holding up? That is the question of the hour. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, I personally am lucky. I have a job. My family has their health. And I think a lot of the folks that do something feel the same way. And I think it's important to also let people who are so lucky and have so much also feel down. And so at Do Something, we think about this in two ways. One is our employees, Mm -hmm. letting them feel bummed out, letting them deal with their mental health struggles, letting them take a day off to take care of a parent or a a sick kid and then once that's taken care of or we feel like we have that under control the second question is how in the heck do we support our members you know our five million young people around the country and the globe who really want to do something right now who see the challenges that the world is facing and how do we support them and give them the sort of actions and support that they need to make a difference in their community
0: sure so you know, you're talking about the challenges, and there are many, obviously, in these crazy, crazy times. Can you just talk about how Do Something is responding to these challenges?
1: In order to respond to COVID, at first we said we need more information we pride ourselves on knowing young people, you know, teenagers, college students, young professionals better than anyone. And we didn't want to assume how they were feeling. Mm -hmm. So immediately after shelter in place happened, we started doing weekly surveying of 2000 plus members. We've had over 10,000 responses to date. And we're asking just that, how are you feeling? How's your family? What do you want to do? What have you already done? Mm -hmm. And in that way we could base our response in data and then Once we had that data, we actually launched five tentpole campaigns that responded to sort of each of the unique needs of young people right now and what they wanted to do. One was around senior isolation, making sure senior citizens had a lifeline. Another was about financial education, mental health physical distancing, and then actually last week a campaign that was about sort of helping our healthcare workers and showing our support, but also a little levity, adding a little fun to young people's lives who have, you know, missed the prom and missed graduation Mm -hmm. and missed their last sporting event. Um, So making sure that it's not all doom and gloom, that we can also have some fun while we're taking action.
0: Well, talk a little bit about maybe some of the challenges that um, are part and parcel with these tentpole campaigns.
1: So I think again, the challenges were twofold. One, it's our staff. You know, a lot of our staff, including myself, have young kids. So they're trying to be, you know, the babysitter, the school teacher, the nonprofit professional within 24 hours a day of trying to sleep. So ensuring that our staff is top notch. But then the second is, making sure that our members are in a place where they can't take action. You know, young people have been hit hardest by the economic consequences of this. If you're under 25, you're three times as likely to have been laid off than if you're over 40. And so a lot of these young people are scared. They have no context They're, You know, they've been, again, sort of ripped from their daily lives. So I think we first started in that mental health campaign and making sure those young people were OK and then giving them something to do And then, of course, that doesn't even mention the challenge of, although we are a digital-first organization, our goal is typically using the power of digital and online to get young people to take action offline. And uh, there's not much offline these
0: days. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um,
1: So how quickly we could pivot every single one of our campaigns from an in-person check-in on a friend, shake their hand, talk to them, to a reach out via text, via Zoom, whatever it may be. The team just did an excellent job moving as quickly as humanly possible to get that done.
0: I mentioned at the top, Aria, that you partner with uh, many brands, and I'm wondering how they're helping you extend the scope and impact of these campaigns.
1: Our partners have been wonderful, you know, more than just a source of funds, which is incredibly important. They also do help us extend the scope and the impact of the campaigns. And so I think two partners would come to mind immediately. One is ESPN. You know, ESPN has been a longtime partner of Do Something. I, like much of the world, am obsessed with Michael Jordan's The Last Dance every (laughs) Sunday. So I have deep respect for them. And uh, they reached out two or three weeks ago and they said, listen, you're a trusted partner. We're struggling, everyone's struggling, but we want to do something to support these young people who have missed their last sporting event, who have missed their last pep rally, who have missed senior year basketball. And as a high school athlete myself, that resonated deeply. And so just in two weeks, we were able to launch this incredible campaign called the One Team Challenge. And they're gonna be supporting across all of their, you know, all of their outlets, whether it's, you know, ABC, Parent Company, or ESPN. And so they've really helped us extend what we're doing, which has been exciting. And then another partner, again, another longtime partner, which I think is important. Of We have long-term partnerships, connections, relationships with these people. They know us well. We know them well. CBS reached out and said, we want to make sure to support the most vulnerable. So we're working with CBS right now. We typically work on them, uh, work with them on anti-vaping initiatives and anti-smoking initiatives but we're of course pivoting and we're doing a COVID response to help the most vulnerable in the back-to-school time frame mm-hmm. so again just really valuable to have these deep relationships with partners who care about you know their own communities but also the community at large
0: it sounds like your organization's at a place now where these brands are reaching out to you you know versus the other way around or is it a combination of, of the two
1: It's certainly a combination. You know, we probably, maybe it's about half and half. We have our sort of long-term partners who reach out to us and we have great relationships with. And then... You know, actually, mental health is a great example. We were looking to do mental health and we really wanted to focus on men's mental health Mm -hmm. because we felt like it didn't get enough conversation. And so we reached out to Harry's. We'd never worked with them before. We just had a friend over there and we said, we love your commitment to social change. You know, they give 1% back automatically. We spent the better part of a year crafting a campaign and launched a men's mental health campaign earlier this year, Mm pre-COVID. And then, of course, when the COVID epidemic hit, we pivoted that campaign to be for folks of all uh, all genders and uh, making it more COVID specific, you know, and it's been incredibly successful.
0: Switching gears for a moment, you're an adjunct professor of nonprofit business management at New York University. I'd like to hear your thoughts on how nonprofits as a whole are answering the call during the pandemic. I think, you
1: know, whatever you think. About what governments are doing whether that's local governments or federal government the truth is is that nonprofits are the ones who are sort of designed to pick up the slack mm-hmm. when the government isn't cutting it and we know right now you know regardless of what's what's happening from a policy perspective. There are people who are struggling. There are people who can't pay rent. There are people who can't feed their families. I mean, we've all seen the hours and hours long wait at food banks across the country. And so one, it's like, I just want to give some shout outs to the nonprofits. These are folks who, you know, they're not making a million bucks. They're doing it because they love it. And I think most of them have done such an incredible job. All I'll say is that so often nonprofits are working on these, you know, shoestring budgets. And so they don't necessarily have the money to invest in... Technology or you know the digital tools that would enable them to sort of move quickly from an offline to an online world, and so I don't fault them for that. They're making their best decision, but I just consider ourselves lucky to do something that we had those digital tools, so the shift wasn't as great as some folks who just don't. So most of all, I, I want to say thank you to the nonprofits out there. They're certainly doing their best, also
0: with a you know depleted workforce, family, childcare issues, whatever it might be. When you look at your COVID efforts to date, and there are many, and they're represented on your website. What's given you the greatest sense of pride to date?
1: I'll harken back to what I said earlier. We have fight for the user uh, painted on our wall at at the Do Something office that I haven't seen in many weeks. And it means we have to listen to our young people. And so one of the interesting things that came out of our research was that young people didn't all want to take action on COVID. Some of them said, you know, I'm already doing this. I'm already doing that. Like, sometimes I just want to take action on something that's unrelated. You know, I want to do something on climate change. Still critically important. We can't forget about it. And Mm so I'm most proud of sort of the data-driven response from our organization, which was quick. And included campaigns and actions and issue areas that might be unexpected. You know, it might have been unexpected to have climate as one of our campaigns. It might have been unexpected to, you know, focus on such quote unquote trivial things like missing your last sporting event when there are more serious things going on. And I'm just proud of the diversity of the campaigns we have launched because I think we've really covered the gamut from the most critical to maybe only critical to 10 or 20% of young people, but that's still millions of young people. And so I think that's the right approach.
0: Has being data-driven always been part of your DNA, Aria?
1: Yes, I mean, first of all, me personally, my friends are like, Aria, stop spewing those statistics. (laughs) We don't wanna hear it, we don't care. So for me, you know, I was an economics major in college, sort of numbers was always a part of my personal DNA. And then I think, again, do something Because we are able to operate at scale with 5 million young people, we have this data that enables us to be smarter, you know, to be smarter than the competition and to really understand our young people. And it's actually that data that enabled us to launch Do Something Strategic, our consulting firm uh, six years ago now, I guess, which has been a critical component of Do Something. And so I do think that that's one of our sort of secret sauces. Everyone always says, uh, you know, how do you come up with this? How do you do it? And I, I do think we have the the smartest people in the world on our team but we also get to cheat a little bit because we get to look at all this data and make some really smart insightful decisions based on it i
0: assume though there's an element of trusting your gut too of course mm-hmm. no no no. numbers can <laughs> lie as well <laughs> <laughs> exactly so I right, just i have to ask do you feel that do dosomething.org was made for this moment in history you know that it plays right into your purpose as an organization
1: that is a lofty question and i think for all of the reasons I said earlier, because young people are digital first, because our organization is digital first, this is a time that we have been able to weather more easily than others. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just thinking about... Um, you know, our big focus for 2020, or one of our big focus areas, was voter registration Mm -hmm. and voter engagement and ensuring that young people had a voice in November. And as we see other organizations who relied, you know, 80% on on on-the-ground voter registration techniques, you know, struggling, of course, we were always 70 to 80% digital. And so our program, we quickly moved it online and uh, are sort of continuing without a beat. So I do think that we are pretty well suited for this moment in history to be clear. I don't want that to. I don't want that to continue. Right. <laughs> um, I would be much happier if we were ill suited for the times that we are in. But again, we are lucky to be well suited to a, a digital, a digital first world.
0: So you yourself, quite the remarkable journey. At do something, you started as a associate, I believe, and now you know you've worked your way up to CEO. You know it's quite the climb. What gives you the inspiration, the motivation, etc., to just keep on doing what you're doing and moving forward?
1: So there's certainly two things that i would attribute attribute this to and the first is you can't understate how important it was for me to have a boss who believed in me and she was my boss from the time i was 23 and when i was 25 or 26 you know she said to me you're going to be ceo and i said what are you crazy i mean i didn't know anything i was green as they come but she saw something in me, and so she made sure I got all of the relationships and networking and smarts and experience and everything I needed to be CEO. And that, again, is invaluable. And, and, and it's Nancy Loveland, our previous CEO, and she's still one of my closest friends today. But even that, you know, even because I was becoming CEO of an organization that I had been at for 10 years, it was still and still is so hard. So I think what sort of keeps me going is that... I have a pretty decent sense of my strengths and I have real confidence in my strengths and sort of bred from my lovely parents and and my childhood and sort of every positive thing I've ever had. And so I know that even on the worst days when I'm doing a terrible job or my weaknesses are coming up, I know that at least there's some things I'm good at and I know that my heart is in the right place. And so I just try to keep things in perspective. Am I the perfect CEO? (laughs) Like so far from it? (laughs) Uh, You know, do I do some things okay? Yeah, I think so. And so you got to focus on that for confidence and then look at everything you don't do well uh, for improvement. And so that's given me the, the strength to put forward. And I'll just say lastly... You know, it's a huge, I'm not so young anymore, but uh, you know, I became CEO at 32. And it was a huge vote of confidence from our board of directors, our staff, everyone to let me do that. And um, I don't want to let folks down. You know, I don't I don't want to be seen as as the person who who failed to do something, especially amidst these tough times. So Mm -hmm. I also see it as just an enormous responsibility that I'm willing to take on, but I hope I don't let anyone
0: down. Now, are you the type of CEO that enjoys interacting with the the entire staff
1: of course yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I actually think
1: that's the that's the one Bummer. Well, there's so many bummers about being CEO to be clear, Hmm. but uh, that's actually the greatest struggle is Hmm. that, um, you know, you don't have time to chat with everyone and, uh, you know, you can't be candid. Everyone, you know, around the CEO, you know, they're probably saying different stuff than they would say otherwise. I am such a people person. I would like
0: nothing more than just to chat with my wonderful employees, you know, all day long, every day. So lastly, as I mentioned at the top, you once said that a goal in life was to change the world a little bit and, you know, a mission accomplished. I would say so what's next for you?
1: I would say mission far from accomplished I am I am a a positive person to be sure but I also look at the world and we just live in a deeply unfair deeply unequal just punishing society i mean not to get too negative but mm-hmm. not it, this was all here pre covid and covid has just exposed it and i think about how much i'm struggling in my own family with you know no childcare and trying to balance things right. and i'm one of the lucky ones mm-hmm. you know my heart truly breaks every day for the folks who are struggling without a job, to feed their families, to make it happen. So I would just say there is so, so much more to do. There's so much more for do something to do. I'm so proud that we serve a diverse audience. You know, we be over indexed for young people of color and mm-hmm. we're more likely to be low income if you're a do something member than not. We have yeah. folks in all geographies that we can always go deeper and support our young people better. Mm-hmm. And. One of my board members, Lisa Lewin, gave gave me some really excellent advice. She said, you know, throw out your 2021 playbook. Whatever you thought young people were going to need in 2021, it's not right. It's not true. It doesn't matter anymore. Young people are going to need a totally new set of campaigns, supports. And I think that's going to be important to do something over the next six months is, again, to listen to our members and truly provide them the support that they need in 2021 and of course the tools that they need to support everyone else because ultimately that's what we're about you know empowering and activating young people Mm -hmm. to help themselves but then help those around them and help their communities so uh, we have a lot of work to do over (laughs) the next six months to sort of recreate our 2021 playbook and uh, it's daunting but it's certainly important and I have no doubt we'll step up to the challenge
0: yeah and I have no doubt either and uh, congratulations on, on everything your organization has done today you've really done a remarkable job and thank you for joining me on beyond profit
1: ken thank you so much i really appreciate it
0: so to learn more about aria's organization and get involved visit do something.org that's do something.org until next time thanks for listening